Good morning. How are we? It is Thursday, 11th of March. If you're coming in live, give me a hello. Let me know you're up, ready to attack the day or just get through the day, whatever's, whatever's in. Sometimes you just need to get through it and just commit to having your best day today and, and then no matter what comes up, just do your best. Just know that in your head today. I'm just going to do my best. When that stress comes, I'm just going to do my best. Be okay with that. Anyway, if you're coming in, say hello. If you're on replay, say hello. We're talking about sugar today. Sugar always comes up. And I want to touch on this because it's a loaded question. Like, does sugar cause fat gain? Can you eat sugar? Should you just cut it out? Um, should you go low carb? And the answer is, and if anyone has a concrete answer, I'd probably very much question where they got that from. But the answer is it depends. I'm going to tell you a few reasons why. Um, first off, you might be thinking, you might disagree with that because you, know, you hear a lot about carbs. But first off, if you just look at the data and you get driven by the data, if you look at a country like Japan, they have the highest intake of white rice, not just rice, but um, white rice. Morning, Sally, which you know, is demonized in Western society as something that you shouldn't have, you should switch it to brown rice. And the truth is in, in that they have pretty much the same calories. You might feel a bit more full from the brown rice potentially because of the fiber, slows down that digestion. But at the same time, it might make you bloated and cause issues with your digestion. So again, that's already a first thing that it might be have to be personal to you. But at the same time, we need to consider that when it comes to carbs and sugar, it's not as concrete as that they're the cause. Now, if you consider the obesogenic environment as the researchers term it, so the obesogenic environment is what we call um, the environment that we live in where food is abundance. We don't need to walk or move so much anymore. Like we can get shopping delivered to us. There's, we don't really have to make do with what's in the cupboard. I mean, you could argue that online shopping's helped with that a little bit in that, you know, if you've got your online shopping day there, you won't go to nip to the shops. But then we're walking less, we're moving less, um, we're more office-based or home-based now. And this environment basically encourages us to put on weight. Like, we know that seated behaviour for a long period of time, like, sit on your desk, if we roll out of bed, come straight into our desk, we've done, like, five steps as opposed to someone getting the train, getting to a city or wherever... Um, and go into an office, they'll probably do 5,000 steps throughout the day without even knowing it, yet now they've changed their routine and they're just working longer hours. All these things are, are going into it. You throw in there that seated behaviour can encourage and increase our hunger. Um, at the same time, also downregulate our insulin sensitivity, which is a risk factor for diabetes, among other immune conditions, not to mention cardiovascular disease, um, muscle bone density, all these things that we know are so important in fighting off diseases of life in the future, potentially. So you throw in on top of that, that it's nearly always someone's birthday in the office. It's cake Friday, wine o'clock, um, friends of a friend's birthday, the 29th of March, the 9th of March, they, whatever the day is, um, Thursday. And we're given temptations a lot, main, normally foods that have a hedonic response in our brain, which excite us, give us that kind of pick me up and that becomes quite addictive to wanting more. And I spoke yesterday about self-sabotage of friends and family and how this can be quite an important part of this and, and how to deal with that from planning snacks in to planning those moments in to setting an expectation of yourself, knowing that you haven't got to be 100% to 0% to actually just knowing that they just care for you 
and maybe sometimes you just need to ask a question back to them and say oh uh, actually i'm really thirsty at the moment would you be able to couldn't get me a coffee and a like glass of this could you glass of water whatever and just make the choice that you want to make for the sake of one minute especially if that's the choice that you want to make because let's face it you want to make a decision that makes you happy of course if you want if you're having something with someone and you're doing it on an occasion and you want to have that cake have that cake plan for it and have it and make sure you enjoy it blooming out don't not enjoy it if you're going to have it rather than feel guilty waste the day beating yourself up that's half your life if you mess up feel guilty for a day that's half of your life feeling guilty anyway so we've got this environment and when you look at that sugar has a highly not necessarily addictive, but it can encourage us to eat more because the mouthfeel, the way it makes us feel, the dopamine hit is a nice feeling. So, but that doesn't mean potatoes, rice, like I said about Japan, that these foods necessarily make us gain weight. You've got to consider that the research is very clear that when you control for calories, whether you go on a high carb, low fat diet, or a higher fat, lower carb diet, so you keep protein constant, it doesn't really matter. Them two can kind of go. You've got to put something in the tank and protein is going to keep you more full. It's going to help skin, hair, <laughs> thinking of hair, uh, skin, hair, nails, recovery, muscle, keeping muscle, especially if, you're, if you are seated a bit more around that time, recovery from exercise. If you're adding exercise into your routine, maybe starting that you haven't done for a while, that's going to help you with your recovery, muscle aches, which is a big thing when you start something new, you know, you don't want to be aching for days and days. Having that protein in is going to be a key thing. But when it comes to carbohydrates, sugar, of course, if you lower your carbohydrates, that's a quick way to lower your blood sugar levels. You're then going to put something else in instead. And if for you, you start lowering your carbohydrates and the result of that is you eat more protein, you're probably going to be more full up. The result of that is that you eat more fibrous vegetables. You're going to be more full up. And as a result of that, you might be able to eat fewer calories, but actually feel more full up and more nourished because you're getting more nutrition from the foods that you're eating. So by getting more nutrition from the foods you're eating, you're more satisfied, you have more energy, you feel better. Maybe your bloating's actually gone down a little bit. It can be quite common from that. But at the same time, you've got to consider that a low-carb diet in the research, when you hear the beneficial effects of it, is actually just lower than a standard American diet, which is around 40% carbohydrate. So, like the recommended, most people are higher, but the recommended is around 40%. So if you lowered that to, say, 30%, you're still having the flexibility to eat some carbs, but it's just lower and then that allows you the flexibility to maybe increase more filling foods perhaps not that carbs aren't filling but you've got to remember what we sometimes do with carbs to make them less filling aka you give me a bowl of white rice there's only so much white rice i can eat you put sauce on top of it fat in it butter all these things in it and we start to eat more you give me plain toast and you know i'll, I'll still eat it but <laughs> it's not as enjoyable if you put butter and jam on top of it so my point is that it's often not the carbon itself, it's what we do on top of it. And what we do as a result of that instead of what we would have done. So you give someone toast, jam and butter, they might then not have their eggs and mushrooms, tomato and bacon, whatever. It could, it could be the same calories, but one keeps them a lot more full. The other one, they kind of want more. Like how many rounds of jam, butter and toast can you eat? It's got that hedonic response. 
how many rounds of eggs and bacon, mushrooms and tomatoes can you eat before you're going to like, I'm done. And that's where the key thing is for me. You've got to know what makes you eat more and just be aware of that. Not that the food's going to make you overweight, going to cause fat gain, unless you eat more of it. And when you control for calories, that's what they find. And something I want to say here is that it's not always good to be 100% on it where you're zero carbs. Like it's fine to aim for that if you wanted to, but have those in your head, almost an end point where you're going to go, or these days, or if this happens in this social event, I'm going to allow myself to eat carbs on those days. I'm going to allow myself to have that because I want the flexibility to be able to enjoy myself when I do that. And there's a lot of psychosocial benefits of this. Like if you, you won't be happy if you can never eat carbs and then when you go out, you can't eat X, Y, Z, or you end up eating it and then you feel rubbish because it's not part of the plan. Really, these are tools in the toolbox. And then as a result of that, if we restrict, 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 the result is we may end up overeating, binge eating, etc. So we've got to get that balance right between having flexibility but structure within that. And one of the things that I always say is around 80, 70%, you know, look at whole foods, get the pillars of nutrition in, your protein, your fiber, your water intake, such a key one. Then you can go around and, and look at planning your meals, like have some structure around it. One of the ladies finds it really um helpful just to say I have three meals a day if I want to snack in between I'll snack on pre-cut vegetables on a Friday and a Saturday that's where I have a glass of wine and a piece of cake on a Friday that's just what she does now she's just committed to being that person not that not that I'm saying that works for everyone like that specific way of doing it but given her lifestyle given what she's doing that suits her her work her commitments how busy she is her snacking habits, and she just knows what she's doing now. She has a plan without having to think about food all day. It's just easier for her to go, yeah, I'm done with that. I don't have to think about food all the time because that's an issue sometimes when she starts tracking, she starts thinking about food quite a lot. So that's an easier way for her just to go, right, three meals, nourish my body, get that protein in, get that fiber in, hydrate my body, treat my body well because I deserve it. And when I, feel, when I treat my body well, guess what? I feel better. And when I feel better, the result of that is... I'm better to be around, better for my kids, family, friends. And then we just consider about those small habits. And it's a bit like saying, like the obstacles that are coming up, like in these diets, we often put off even starting because of these things that come up. And then we're thinking, our oh, social events are coming. It'd be good to start, but the social events, but I won't be able to go shopping until Monday. And types of habits that can just help us think about the small habits that we're making in terms of the small changes to start to really start to feel it and my point in this is is you are going to have days where you are 10 20 percent on it it's as simple as that you're going to have days that don't go completely to plan but having a strategy for them days is the key thing treat every day like day one so you know that today you can go in day one in spite of what happened yesterday and just get back to it because that's the difference sometimes you're going to have days where you struggle a little bit don't beat yourself up for that. The longer you beat yourself up, the worse your results are going to be because that's where most of the damage is done. It's not about the hot cross bun. It's not about the jam on toast. It's about the beating yourself up for the jam on toast and the, and the hot cross bun. People can lose weight eating jam on toast and hot cross bun. However, they're going to feel more full up eating X, Y, and Z. That doesn't mean they either bad. It's in the context of what they did that day. So I hope that helps. Bit of a ramble, but my point here is 
do what suits you here. And I'm going to talk about fruit as well another day. I won't go on now. Because um, fruit's an interesting one because, you know, you've got like Slimmy World saying eat as much fruit as you want. And then you've got other people saying avoid sugar. Um, it's a fine balance again. But I'll go into a few more things about that um, on another day, especially around like fructose, which is definitely something that is misinformed we're misinformed about um because they use it in junk food it doesn't mean that fruit is junk <laughs> anyway it's because fructose is cheaper than glucose so if you can get the fruit if you can get the sugar out of fruit and it's cheaper than glucose you might as well use the cheaper one that's what they do like fast food um cakes pastries biscuits anyway processed foods that's enough from me we are on today for uh sculpt and tone this morning with julie we have a butt family. We then have a stretch mid-morning. We have lunchtime bar. Then we have tonight um, core and um, boxing fit before our Q&A tonight with Dr. Adam Bibby. All about nudges, nudges in the right direction to start to create change in your habits. So if you want more information about our kickstart, do send me a message. We've got a brand new six-week kickstart starting soon. I will see you soon. Take care.